Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. It's always good to be back at New Hope. And after he introduces me each time, I can't wait to hear what I have to say. I sometimes wonder who he's talking about. But it is good to be here, especially on a day like... uh, like today. Those of you that are graduating, let me see your hand. Would you raise your hand, please? Boy, am I proud of you. Let's go ahead and give them a hand. This is a a very special day for me in getting to be here with you guys. Uh, Churches all over America, Canada, and Mexico are doing just what you've done, and that is starting a leadership institute where they take our material and year after year they begin to train more and more people. We understand that it only takes 2% of a culture to change a culture. And so I think we're on, a, we're on a roll. The Lord is beginning to bless. And when I look at people like you, I can't help but be very, very, very proud. So uh, we'll be recognizing you in just, in just a few moments. I'm proud of you. Leadership development begins with... Self-development. Self-development begins with self-awareness. Self-awareness leads us to self-control. Self-control will lead us to character, competence, and credibility. Anybody heard that before? And then my two favorite words are? Yeah, if you didn't say that, you weren't graduating. (laughs) No, we'll just let you have it. It depends. Pastor Tom and Brenda, it's always a delight to be with you. Thank you for this honor to be here with you today. And happy birthday to my very good friend. Talking about people that's getting old. We're not the one that just had another birthday. You did. Yeah, so happy birthday. Say happy birthday, Pastor Tom. Amen. I want to very quickly talk to you about eight lessons that will change your life. If you've got some paper, you'll want to write these down. Uh, This is what I call uh, side two of the message that I typically bring when I talk about my testimony of where I was and where God has brought me this day. So we'll pick a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. That simply says, 1 Corinthians 1, 26, think of what you were when you were called. How many of you can remember what you were when you were called? When the Lord reached down and chose you. Not many that were noble, not many that were wise, not many that came from influential families. Do any of you bear any type of recognition to those types of adjectives? I do. And yet God chose us. Think of what you were when you were chosen. When I give my testimony, I always talk about a nobody named Ordinary who lived in the land of familiar. And that usually sounds like some of us, at least some of our journey, right? A nobody named Ordinary who lived in the land of familiar and yet one day had a big dream. Have you ever had a dream? A dream that you too were intended to be a somebody, not a nobody, 
But you were intended to be a somebody and that you could have a big dream that would change lives. Well, there's nothing that describes my experience much more than that. Because my life laid all around me in smoldering ashes when the Lord found me and picked me up and started me on this journey. So the stuff that you went through with Leader Labs is simply the stuff that I learned during my journey. It was stuff that helped me. And those 10 essential skills of executive or ministerial leadership were the things that helped me. What is so amazing to me is that those things seem to resonate with so many other people and that they help them as well. So God has me on this journey. Now the journey, for those of you that don't know it all, and Pastor Tom seems to tell it a lot better than I do most of the time, but I do have the book now, all the details, lucky number eight. And I have a box full of those. So if you want to get one, you want to get one for yourself or somebody else, if you'll see me, I'll even, if you want, sign a couple of them and say something nice on the inside about you. But those are, I only brought about 30. You can get them on amazon.com, lucky number eight. But if for nothing else, they are an encourager to families because I look back on my life and I try to describe what happened to me, but also how the Lord used those things to get me to this place. So avail yourself of those at the end of the service. Now, I want to talk to you about page two. How many of you know or have heard of this guy called Paul Harvey? Anybody ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. It, that tells me something about you right there talking about age and how old you are, but this was a radio broadcaster from the 1950s to 1990, Paul Harvey, and he was on the ABC radio show, and he would always come on, and he was famous for these two things. Number one, he would tell you page one, remember? That's page one, and then he would give you all these commercials and things, and then he'd come back and say, stay with me, because I'm going to come back and give you the rest of the story. Say the rest of the story. And he'd come back and he'd give you the flip side of something and would share with you the good news of that. Well, that's what this is about today. This is the rest of the story. And I thought it would be really apropos because of what we're doing here today when we talk about leaders and the experience that you've gone through of the leadership development course that you've taken, the discipline, the hard work, the consistency that you've had to go through. Because in a moment, you're going to stand up and you're going to come up here and we're going to present you with these certificates. And, and the, the assumption that it's easy to make about these good-looking people that are all so dressed up and that washed their hair, took a shower, and put on some decent clothes today is that you've never had any troubles. That's the assumption. That you've never had a crisis, you've never had a struggle. Uh, You you know, look at me. Man, you'd think I never had a problem, right? And yet nothing could be further from the truth. Am I right? We've all had struggles. It's easy for the people in the congregation, for those that are online, to look at us, those of us who come to church, and to make that presumption, that, that assumption that, well, these people have never had issues. But that is just not the case. How many of you have ever had some issues, some struggles, some disappointments, some hard times, some crises to hit you square in the face? And you've had to overcome them. Well, today I want to give you 
eight lessons. Are you ready to fly? Lesson number one. These are things that I had to learn as a new Christian. Watch this. Because as a new Christian, I was on a roller coaster ride. Now, I've overcome that. I overcame it because of reading the Word of God and understanding a great principle in the Word of God called grace. As Pastor Tom has taught me and he's taught you as well, grace is that pushback against sin. When sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And it was the Word of God that got me off of the roller coaster ride. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us, some people stay on the roller coaster ride way too long. And the roller coaster ride is this when you feel good, you're saved. When you feel bad, you're lost. You get up and everything's going good. You're in a good mood. I'm saved. But when things come crashing in, all of a sudden I'm lost. I've lost my salvation. Somehow I've sinned against the Holy Ghost. The devil starts playing tricks on you. And I had to learn some lessons and they were hard. Lesson number one. Here we go. Christian conversion does not automatically remove all of your negative baggage. Christian conversion does not automatically remove all of your negative baggage. Hebrews tells us this, lay aside every weight, say weight, and sin which does so easily beset you. The illustration is of a runner who's running. I have run now two full marathons, one of them being the Boston Marathon, 53 half marathons, training for another one at the end of this month. Listen, you don't get up one morning and decide to go run 13 miles. You might decide it, and you might make it out the front door and about 40 yards down the road, at which time you'll probably decide, nope, going back to the house, at least to the front porch, right? You have to do this thing called train. And when the Bible says lay aside the weight, it is the imagery of realizing once you're trying to run this race that you are overweight. That you need to lose some of this baggage so that you can run the race that you are capable of running. But here's the, the lesson. You don't just lose all of it automatically when you become a Christian. I remember those days of becoming a Christian. I remember the event, how it changed my life from the long hair and all the earrings and all the clothing and all the culture and all the, the relationships that began changing. But I can also remember at times when a car would pull out in front of me and some of that old stuff would come back and I would those words would fly. Have you ever had something just fly out of your mouth and you wish that you could just bring it back, but you can't? And those things that I tried to change, that needed to change, I remember cursing. Man, you talk about curse like a sailor. I think that word was made, that description was made for me. But it was part of my culture. And there would be times I would be in a Christian setting and something would happen and I'd say something and oh my good Lord, everybody around me's eyes would get big and their mouth would hit the table and, and, and I'd, oh he hasn't been saved very long, they would say. 
I, I can remember smoking. Smoking cigarettes. I smoked pot too. But it was easier for me to give up the pot than it was the cigarettes. And I would preach and I would speak and I would go out back and I would smoke. And, 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 and I would, didn't realize that everybody who didn't smoke could tell that I was smoking. You know, when you're smoking, you, it's all over you. It's everywhere. And you don't realize, but the aroma is carried with you. One person said, well, smoking won't send you to hell. And I said, no, but it sure make you smell like you've been there. And, and you couldn't get away from I couldn't get away from that. But it was so difficult for me to lay aside that baggage. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 said, train yourself to be godly. And ladies and gentlemen, especially those of you that have been our graduates today, part of what you've been doing over these months is training yourself. It didn't come easy. There were other things you could have been doing. But you spent that consistent time training yourself to be godly. Lesson number two. Change is possible. Change is a lifelong process. But God's grace is sufficient. How many of you can say amen to that? I remember the event of getting saved. And I remember how cataclysmic it was for me in terms of the change that it brought in me. But then there was also a process. Here's what I learned. I learned that change is possible, but God calls me to participate in that change. He's not going to wave a magic wand over my head. He's not going to give me a silver bullet. There are things, there are consequences to my former life and some things I have to do to partner with him. Let me give you three things that should help you with this. Number one, you need to embrace gospel hope. Embrace gospel hope. What is the gospel good news? Good news of what? Good news that there's hope in Jesus, that today don't have to be like yesterday and tomorrow don't have to be like today, that in Jesus things can change. That's good news. It has become the battle cry of my life ever since Southeast Asia when looking into the eyes of abstract poverty, when the Lord said, here is the mission of your life, inspire hope and empower potential. Inspire hope and empower potential. Number one, embrace that hope in your life. Number two, examine your fruit. If change is not just an event, as important as the event is, but it's a process, you need to take a look at the fruit of your life from day to day and from week to week. And here's what I mean by that. What is your present lifestyle producing? I had to look at my life as a young Christian and I had to say the product of my life, I'm not real happy. Talk about shame. I was ashamed of the product of my life, especially claiming to be a Christian. What is your present lifestyle producing? Something still may need to change. And number three, you need to expose your roots. Expose the roots of that fruit. Because listen, bad fruit... Bad fruit comes from bad thoughts and bad behavior. And behavior can change. Say it, behavior can change. Lesson number three I learned. 
Sometimes your plans don't work out because God has better plans. Now, somebody needs to hear this today. Sometimes our plans don't work out because God has better plans. I got saved. God totally changed my life. He intended something for me, but I didn't get it at first. I had been raised in a construction family. My dad was a brick mason. Both brothers were brick masons. And so I went to that which was natural, that which was easy. I thought, well, I'll be somebody in construction work, you know. That wasn't God's plan for me. Even though I went to community college to be an interior designer, an architect, I thought, man, I've seen what brick masonry is like. I don't want to do that. That's too hard. So I thought, well, I'll go to school, some kind of community college, which I probably couldn't afford at that time either. And so I'll do that. It reminds me of John chapter 21. After a great disappointment by the disciples, Jesus is now dead. They had built all their hopes on him. And right after his death, where does Peter and the disciples go back to? What? Oh, you're great theologians, right? You know the story. They go back to fishing. They don't go to changing the world, do they? That's what he's called them to. He spent three and a half years teaching them that. They go back to fishing, that which is, you know, comfortable to them. Sometimes to do the work of the Lord and what he's called you to, graduates, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. You've got to take a deep breath and step out. And I can remember that. You want to be a brick mason or do you want to be what I've called you to? You want to stay on this journey? You want to stay in this comfort zone? Or would you like to be one that helps to change the world? And when I, made, I took a deep breath, stepped out of my comfort zone, out of the land of the familiar, God started working in unbelievable ways. I can remember getting that phone call from a lady who was a guidance counselor in my high school. She said, come meet me at my home on a Saturday morning. She said, God has plans for you. A guidance counselor. I didn't even know that I had made an impact on her other than being the, 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 the community drug addict. But she came and I went to her house and she showed me that because of my poverty, there were opportunities. And she said, you could fill out all these papers. I'm going to help you fill them out and we're going to get you the basic educational opportunity grant, the BEOG, from the government. It's going to pay half of your tuition to any university that you want to go to. And she did that. She set that up for me to get that for me. And that's how I went, first of all, to the community college. You know what Proverbs chapter 3 beginning in verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord in all your ways and he will direct your paths. How many of you know that we need to trust him? He's always got a plan and he can redirect us if we'll stay with him. Lesson number four. Sometimes the Lord will use unusual suspects. Say it. Unusual suspects to get you where he wants you to go. Unusual suspects. I didn't realize I was preaching, but I was. I was preaching every opportunity that I had. 
didn't realize I was called to preach or called to be a minister in my life. I was just sharing. I was what I called testifying everywhere I went with passion about this new journey that I was on, this changed life. And one opportunity when I was at a Baptist church speaking before a Baptist youth group, I noticed a guy standing back in the back in a very expensive suit, really listening to every word that I said. At the conclusion of my talk, he came up to me, introduced himself, and said, I'm from the Ford Foundation, which was a huge evangelical foundation. And he said, I really like what God's doing in your life. Watch this. He said, and we are going to give you a scholarship to any university you want. Well, that had to be God, right? And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got the basic educational opportunity grant. Now I've got this guy. I can go to Lee University. And so I stepped out and I went to Lee University. Now, let's make it relevant for you for a moment. Have you ever had a time when your life seemed to take an unexpected turn? Has there ever been a time in your life when something happened and you find yourself at the fork in the road? Sometimes, watch this, lesson number four. Sometimes well-meaning people will let you down and they will disappoint you. Have you ever found this out? Here I go to Lee University. I can't afford Lee University. But I get there and I'm doing fairly well, even though I'm on probation academically. And I'm doing okay, but one day I get a letter in the mailbox, and here it is from the Ford Foundation. And I wish I had it with, to, to actually read it, but here's what it basically said It said, Dear Brother Freddie, we did not realize that Lee University was a Pentecostal denomination. We will not be able to help you with scholarship money. What do you think my heart felt like at that point? Why, God? You called me, you got me here, and now all of a sudden, this unusual suspect that you used to get me here has disappointed me, and it felt like this heavy rock in my spirit has hit the bottom. You ever had that happen? Boom! Maybe because of a friendship that goes bad. Maybe because of someone like this who disappointed you, a job or a ministry opportunity that you expected to get, but it goes south all of a sudden. Someone, someone betrays you and you don't understand it, but that rock, just, just, it just feels like it just falls apart. Here I was. God, why, why, why? Lesson number six. Sometimes our disappointments are only illusions be patient say be patient be patient why because God is the master you with me God is the master of alternate plans when one thing goes wrong if you trust in the Lord and all your ways he will make it right but here's what we have to do it's tough in these situations, but here's what we have to do. And I learned this from my granddaughters, two little granddaughters, Ella and Marley. They're at the house right now text messaging me, wondering where Poppy's at. 
But I want, I, I, I got this. If you've got grandkids, raise your hand. Anybody got grandkids? We're all part of that club, right? Isn't it wonderful? But I took them to the Disney show called Frozen. And if you know, if you've been listening to anything at all, then you know this great theological truth that's real handy right here from the song that is sung. There are times when you're disappointed and it can kill you, but you have to looky there. Let it go, let it go. If I could sing, I'd start out right now, but Tom would run up here and stop me for sure. Yet I could have wallered. I'm, no, I'm from North Carolina. Does, it, does that communicate? I could have wallered in that why. An unusual suspect. A miracle got me to leave, but now this great disappointment has caused me to feel shattered. I can't pay for this. What am I going to do? I'll feel shame. Because I've told people that God's going to make a way. But listen to me. This is where courage comes. You have to let it go. Courage is not letting go when you've got something standing there that you can grab hold of. Courage is letting go when you by faith have to trust that the Lord's still going to make a way for you. That's courage. And that is faith. It's from Philippians where it says, I am confident in this thing, that he who began a good work in me is able to complete it. How many of you can believe that about yourself? Lesson number seven. Sometimes help comes from the least expected places. I didn't know how I was going to take my exams. It came down to the last week. Sister Brenda, you'll, you'll understand this because we had to have our bills paid before we could take exams. And I kept trusting the Lord that whole first semester. And I went down to that mailbox. I almost started jerking every time I went down to the mailbox. It caused me some problems. Didn't know what else letter I was going to get, what other type of information I was going to get. But this time I, I got a letter and it said, Four Square Church, Charlotte, North Carolina, my hometown. And I had preached a little youth revival there on Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, some months earlier at the beginning of that semester. At that time, I did not know that I had financial troubles. I was talking about all the miracles, talking about how God had prepared the way and used an unusual suspect to get me there. The disappointment had not come, and I was preaching at that little four-square church, what even a church of God, and somehow the Lord touched two elderly ladies. They were in their 80s, and the Lord inspired them, said, Brother Freddie's going to need some financial assistance, and they had two yard sales that I, had, I knew nothing about. And I opened that letter, and it simply had a little letter covering a check, and it said, we were impressed to help you. Now watch this. That little letter from Lee University had told me on Thursday that if I didn't have $730, I could not start taking my exams on Monday. The check that they wrote for me was $786. Come on, give the Lord a hand. 
Well, Brother Fred, it would have been better if it was for the exact amount, 730. You pessimist, you. See, Lord, the Lord goes above and beyond. I had an old 66 white Plymouth, and it was the pride and joy of my life. And it was a five-hour drive from Cleveland, Tennessee, back to Charlotte, North Carolina. So he gave me enough money to fill up my 66 Plymouth, get me home, stop in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and get me a quarter-pounder meal. God is good. (laughs) Lesson number eight. The harder I worked, the luckier I got. I, I can't tell you, I've been doing this thing, leadership development for decades now, trying to mentor and help people. And if there's anything that I could leave you with, it's this, hard work pays off. There is no silver bullet. There is no magic wand. God does his part, but he expects us to partner with him in faith to become the best version of ourselves. Martin Luther, way back in the Reformation period, it was already there. It was a part of the Christian faith, the principles that were there, but they called it during the Reformation period a work ethic, the Protestant work ethic ethic that simply said this that simply said discipline hard work and frugality taking care of your money being responsible with your money with your responsibilities that it pays off should I say that again discipline hard work and being responsible with your finances that it pays off. And Martin Luther and all of those during the Reformation period said that this Christian Protestant work ethic really does pay off. Not only for the individual, but for also society. And did you know that capitalism arose out of those Christian principles of discipline, hard work, and frugality? Somehow that rubbed off on me. People will say, but, you know, the Lord had uh, this person, that person, and this one to pay all your bills. Absolutely not. He got me through that semester to show me that he was God. And to show me certain principles in my life that I needed to learn. But the rest of my college career, watch this. I washed dishes every afternoon in a cafeteria. I worked in an office cleaning company two days a week in the evenings after my classes. I worked in a cosmopolitan spa on Keith Street on Thursdays and on Tuesday nights. And I preached, I wasn't calling it that, I was talking to people about Jesus every weekend that I could. And every dime would go toward my school bill. And when I graduated from Lee University four years later, no mom, no dad to help me. No money coming from anyone around other than what the Lord would do and hard work. I graduated from Lee University debt free. Debt free. Now I'm telling you, that's God. 
but it was some hard lessons. And from that point on, ladies and gentlemen, I started realizing if I was going to become the best version of me, I had to find as much help as I possibly could because, watch this, leadership development begins with self-development. Here's a question. Two, two questions I want to leave you with this morning. You ready? They'll rock your world. They'll change your life. Number one, how good could you be? How good could you be? It begs, you know, a little deeper introspection to, to ask, what does the best version of you really look like? I am, I refuse to go to my grave with anything left on the table. I refuse it. I want to be all that he's called me and made me to be. That's my goal. Question number two, you ready to have your world rocked? Here it is. What would you do if you weren't afraid? What step of faith would you take? What's the land of familiar look like to you? What's the comfort zone that you need to take a deep breath and walk away from and trust the Lord? Leadership development begins with self-development. Self-development begins with self-awareness. Self-awareness will lead you to self-control or self-management, self-leadership. You've got to learn to lead you before you learn to lead anybody else. The Bible says greater is he or she who can control their own spirit than he who can take a great walled city. And self-awareness will lead you to character, competence, and credibility. How good can you be? Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.